Well, amen. I tell you what, when he said 70 verses to Amazing Grace, I thought, there goes my preaching time. But you know what? Those were good verses, weren't they? I got thinking about that. In the grace of God, you begin to think about the amazing grace of God. I don't know how many people's in here, but we can say that every one of us could write a verse about the amazing grace of God in our lives. You stop and think about how the Lord loves us and how he cares for us. That is amazing grace. We're undeserving, but praise the Lord for his love and his mercy to us. But take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able to. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 35. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. It says, In the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he said, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That will be our text this morning. Verse 41 says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another. Notice what they said. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'd like to preach a message I've titled, What manner of man is this. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, we're in need of your hand. We're in need of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives today, to meet with us, to empower us to preach, to listen, to be stirred, to be moved by the Spirit of God, that Jesus Christ might be magnified and lifted up this morning. Lord, a lot of times we preach about things that we need to change in our life or whatever, and no doubt there is some of this, but Really, we need to look unto this one that we sung about this morning, that his grace is amazing. His love is unheard, so great and so mighty. Lord, I pray that this morning that you'd open our eyes and our hearts to you. And Lord, we could see you high and lifted up. Lord, hide me behind the cross. May Jesus be lifted up. And we'll give you the honor and glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. What manner of man is this? This is also recorded in two other of the Gospels here, this, this particular saying. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 20 says, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Then you go down to Luke and chapter 8 and verse 25 says, And he said unto them, where, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. If you go back through the scripture prior to this taking place, you'll find that he healed the lame. 
there was a man that was lame and with the palsy and four men bore him and they couldn't get into him and so they tore the roof off of the house and they lowered him down on ropes before Jesus and he, he healed him and he told him to take up his bed and walk and he did. You'll find that there was those who lep had leprosy and he healed them. You'll go back just a little bit there and you'll find that Peter's mother-in-law was laying upon the bed sick and, and he come in and spoke to her and healed her. She got up and, and cooked for him and, and, uh, and served him. And you go and you find that he gave sight to the blind and on goes the list of the different things that the disciples had seen him do already. And now they're out on the sea and they see something else happen. They see him do something greater in their mind. They feared, they marveled when he calmed the winds and he calmed the sea and said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It seems as though when Jesus did great miracles among other people and the disciples stood there and watched, that it was just everyday stuff to them. Didn't impact them a whole lot. Maybe a little. But now they're in a position, now they're, they're the, the ones that's uh, uh, in, in a position they need help. And it really touches their hearts and lives. So I want to look at this a little bit this morning. One reason is possibly because their lives were personally touched by the miracle. As I said, they've been seeing all the miracles that Jesus has been doing. And, and they said in their minds that he's God. And yet they didn't seem to be moved as they were in this position here. Look at verse 37, 38 of Mark 4. There it says, and There rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a, on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not? And notice what it says, that we perish. Got their attention. You know, every one of us, uh, we can see the hand of God moving in people's, other people's lives and see God do great miracles and in healing people and, and answering prayers and on goes the list. But it doesn't have the impact on us like it does when, when we're involved. Yeah. And they, they, the impact begin to hit them when they say, hey, we're perishing. We need help. We're the ones that's about to die here on the sea. We're the ones that, hey, listen, these were seasoned, some of them were seasoned fishermen that had been on that sea before and they knew what the waters could do and, and that it was bad enough that they were afraid. They said, cares not that, that we perish? They seen him laying there asleep and they were worried and they were fearful because of the storm that's going on. Sometimes we don't pay much attention said, to what the Lord's doing if we don't feel the effects of the crisis in our personal life. But let the miracle touch us personally. And we're in awe. We should, when we begin to think, boy, what a mighty God. But can I tell you something this morning? He's still a mighty God whether you feel the, the personal touch or not this morning. Amen. He's a mighty God that we ought to give him honor, respect, and glory and begin to lift him up before all around us. Their response was in verse 41 there says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey? Well, can I say that the manner of man that this is is the one that is a personal God. Personal. Very personal. He cares about each of us personally. 
as we face the storms of life personally. We watch him take care of the needs of other people. We're not moved. But you know he cares about you individually this morning. He knows what's going on in your life. The other people may not know what's going on. And you may think that nobody knows or anybody cares. But I'm going to tell you something. We have a personal God. He personally cared about them. They said, what about us? We're about to perish. Don't you care about us? Yes, he does. You may be sitting here this morning. And you think, God don't even know I'm here. Yes, he does. God don't even know what I'm going through. Yes, he does. God doesn't even care about me. Yes, he does. He's a personal God. That's the manner of God that he is. That's the manner of man that he is. We find over in Luke chapter 15 and begin verse 3 says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders and rejoicing... And when he cometh home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Can I tell you that the Lord cares about you? You go away, you go a wandering, you go astray. The Lord cares about you and he comes after you individually. When you were lost in your sins and... There may be some here this morning. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Though you're sitting in an auditorium of, of a lot of people, He cares about you individually and where you're going to spend eternity. Right. He said, well, God don't even give a thought to me. Yes, He does. He cares about your soul and He comes after you individually to reach you with the gospel that you might have eternal life. He cares about you that much. Jonathan, He knows everything about you and He cares about you personally. That's right. Those here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, hey, listen, He knows you personally and He knows about what's in your life going on. He knows the need of salvation in your life and He loves you and He comes to you begging and, or, and pleading with you that you would receive Him as your Savior. He desires to save your soul. My friend, don't turn Him away. But likewise, He cares about the Christian. He cares about each of us. Not just the lost, but he cares about us as individuals. The Lord died for us personally. He loved us personally. He cares for you personally. The Christian, he cares for us personally and listens to our individual prayers and, and knows our individual hurts and needs. You're sitting here this morning saying, well, I've been praying and I haven't heard an answer, preacher. I guarantee you he heard it. Maybe he's waiting on you to get in line with him. But he's there. He cares about you personally. It's not like you're a number somewhere. You know, have you ever, you know, you dial up a number, you got to talk to somebody. Maybe it's usually the government. <laughs> Maybe it's Social Security or whatever it is. And you could call up and they say, well, if you, first thing is, if you speak English, press one. If you speak Spanish, press two. If you speak Mongolian, press three. If you, speak, and, you know, and so you press the button. And then you always say, if you want this, and they give you about 15 different other choices, so you push the button. Then you go to another one and says, if you are this, this, this here, push such and such button. If you had, if you had biscuits and gravy for breakfast, push this button. If you drive a Ford or a Chevrolet, uh, 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 they say, if you drive a Chevrolet, push this button. If you drive a Ford, hang up. <laughs> 
I can say that I drive a Ford, okay? <laughs> well, right now I'm not. <laughs> but the fact of it is, <laughs> don't get me started. <clears throat> and after a while, you're like, they don't care about me. I'm just a number. And they want to know, what's your birthday? What's your social security number? You're a number. But to God... There's someone he loves and cares about. And he has time for you. There's never been a time and never will be a time when you go to the Lord in prayer that he says, push, push this or that. But he's willing to listen to you and your need and see the need in your life. He's a personal God. He cares about you individually, personally. He knows what's going on before you ever call upon him. He cares about you. That's the manner of person he is. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. For you. I believe that we should pray for our nation continually. As a, as a whole, we ought to pray for our nation. And, and as, as, a, as a world, pray for the people in the world as a whole. But, but my friend, understand that he cares for you as an individual. He knows everything about you. He knows things about you you don't know about you. And he cares for you. He is a personal God. That is the manner of person he is. What manner of person is this? He is a personal caring Savior and Lord. He's also, he is the manner of man that is almighty and all power. We find there in verse 39, it says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And, and, and there was a great calm. A great calm. Can you imagine this? If you know anything about water, about the sea, even if the wind stops, there's going to be waves for a while. There's going to be rolling waves because of the wind that's going, to, that's going to carry on because they hit and they come back and they, they cause other waves and they go back and forth and, until it all begins to die down. The wind usually when we go out there, it doesn't just all of a sudden stop usually unless you sweep through a hurricane and hit the eye of it. But all of a sudden the wind stops. The waves stop also dead still. And they see the calm that has come immediately. Only a God can do that. Nay, he's an almighty God, an all-powerful God. Yeah, but preacher, I've got this going on in my life. Can he take care of this? My friend, he can take care of anything in your life. There's nothing too big or too hard for him. The disciples had seen the power of Jesus heal the sick and raise the lame and gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf and cast out demons. And now they're experiencing him, his power over nature. What manner of man is this? He is an all-powerful, almighty God. Matthew 20, 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power. Not just a little bit. Not just part of it. But all power is given unto Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 32, verse 17 says, And the Lord God beheld, uh, behold, thou hast 
made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Preacher, I just don't know whether he can handle it. Oh, he can handle it. Preacher, do you think that God can? Oh, God can. But do you think that, you know, is he able? Yes, he is able. Our problem is, is that too many uh, uh, Christians today are, are, are serving a, a small God in their mind instead of a great and mighty God. He is a mighty God, a powerful God this morning. Hey, listen, he can do all things and do all things well. He's a mighty God. There's nothing too big for him. Preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't have to. There's nothing too big for him. But preacher, can he take care? Yes, he can take care of all of it. Far too often the manner of the Lord is small in our eyes and we don't see or expect to see his mighty hand work in our lives as he wants to. Do you realize the Lord wants to show himself mighty in your life? Our problem is we don't let him. We don't let him. Well, preacher, if he's so mighty, he can over, overrule us. Can I tell you something? God is a gentleman. And he will not force himself upon you. And so many times it's because of our unbelief that we restrict him and don't call upon him and don't trust him to do what that mighty work that he wants to do. And then we say, can he? Can he? Oh, he can. And he will if we'll allow him to. Too often we don't expect to see the mighty hand of God work in our lives as he wants to. Matthew 19, 26, he says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with, that, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. All things. Preacher, do you think that God can straighten this world out? I know he can, if we'll let him. If we'll allow him to. Preacher, I'm going through this difficult time in my life. Do you think God can, can straighten this out in my life? I know he can. But we've got to let him. He's an almighty, an all-powerful God. And there is nothing too hard for him. What manner of man is this Jesus? He's all-powerful, almighty God who cares for you and for your needs. He cares for you. He's a manner of man that deserves our faith and trust. I don't know, you know, you begin to think about, about your life. Are you trusting him? He deserves our faith. He deserves our trust. We find here in this particular instance in Mark 4, verse 39 and 40, he says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? They had seen all that he'd done. Why now was there no faith? They'd seen great miracles done, and why was they fearful? They had the hand of God, and uh, they'd seen it in the past work for them, and, and, uh, but now they're full of doubt and fear because of their unbelief. Let me say something here this morning. You know why we fall out and fall away from God? It's unbelief. Do you know why we, we become fearful? It's unbelief. Because we don't think that he's able to handle it. We don't think that he will handle it. 
And so we, in our unbelief, we turn away from him. The craziest thing that we can do in our lives is turn away from the one that is all-powerful and almighty and able to handle all things in our life and cares for you and me above anybody or anything else in this world. He's powerful. But we become fearful. Jesus is, is God and an all-knowing God. He knew the storm was coming before they even got in the ship. Think about that for a minute. An all-knowing God. He laid down, he got in that ship, and he pillowed his head. Went to sleep. I'm a pretty sound sleeper, but I think if that water was coming in and hitting me, <laughs> I think I'd probably wake up. And I doubt that those, I doubt those, those, those uh, disciples, I, can you imagine them saying, shh, he's asleep. It's getting rough out here. Shh, it's asleep. I imagine it's going, hey, it's getting wild out here. Anybody here? It's getting, getting, getting wild. You said water come over? Boy, we're going to drown. No, anybody? And they begin to holler. But he's back there asleep. Why? He knew the storm was coming. He knew it was coming. There's no fear for him. He's God. One of the things that bothers every one of us that brings fear in our lives is the unknown. Someone once said, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? <coughs> Say, how could that be? Because he already knows it. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? He's an all-knowing God. He knew the storm was coming. And he knew how the disciples would respond. And he used it for a time to try to strengthen their faith and trust in him. Many times the storms in our lives, the difficulties that you're going to face, God's trying to use that to strengthen your faith, not to weaken it. But many times because we won't trust him, it becomes weaker. Has a storm, he has a storm under control. So we should learn to trust him even if it seems that he's asleep. Because he's not asleep. He's not asleep. What manner of man is he? He's a type that all, that's always there with you. In Mark chapter 4 there in verse 35 and 36, it says, In the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. He's always there. Notice two things out of this, these verses here. First, he, he's the one that's sending them out on the sea that he knew was going to turn into a storm. He's the one sending them. But secondly, notice that he goes with them and will never send them alone. And he's always there for you and me. You may be going through some difficult times, but you're not alone. You may say, well, preacher, I feel like I'm all alone. Nobody's ever come alongside me. Nobody ever called me. Nobody ever encouraged me. Nobody ever lifted a finger to help me. But my friend, can I tell you, you're not alone if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He says, I'm right there with you the whole time. He sent them out on that sea. Why? Because he knew that their faith needed to be strengthened. He knew that they needed to see him calm the sea and the wind. 
He knew that it was the next step in their lives. And so he, he sent them out. And I said, can I tell you something? Some of those times that you look at that you think is just a, a bad deal in your life is not such a bad deal. God's trying to work in your life, trying to get you to trust him and not trust everybody else around you. Amen. You know what our problem is? We want everybody to gather around us so we can trust them. Can I tell you something? That in that ship, I imagine those disciples got pretty close together and said, what are we going to do? But it wouldn't help them none because they couldn't calm the sea. They couldn't stop the wind. Only Jesus could do that. And in your life and my life, God says, hey, listen, I may send you out by yourself what you may think is by yourself, but I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's always there. He said, I'll be with you. In fact, we find that a great promise that he gives. At first, he gives a command unto the disciples as he's getting ready to go into heaven. He gives a command in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You say, well, preacher, that's good if you're going out and telling people about Jesus Christ. He'll be there during those times that you're telling people about Jesus Christ. No, wait a minute. Back up and look at it again. He said, and lo, I am with you always. That means all the time. Not just when you're out witnessing or preaching or giving the gospel to somebody, but always. He said, as a Christian, he said, I'm going to be with you at all times. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's happening. You say, well, preacher, what if I'm out of the will of God? He says, they're still there. Now, he may be getting ready to give you a good whooping, but he's still there. His promise is more than just sharing Jesus. It's always, in fact, in Hebrews 13, 5, the latter part of that verse, he says, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never. Never, never, never. By now, I hope you figured out that he's God that came in flesh. John chapter 1, verse, begin verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Talking about Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's Jesus Christ that He's talking about there, that came in the flesh for you and me. That He might die on the cross for you and me. That He might be around us so that we could enjoy that time with Him. 1 John 4, 2 says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. What type of manner is that? It's a manner of righteousness. Jesus Christ is, is righteous. It's a manner of holiness and love and mercy that we see in Jesus Christ. Because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm able to do all things and do all things well. I'll be there at all times for you. Hey, listen, he said, he, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to put your faith in him. And he don't want you to sit there that it always has to be personal in your life. He wants you to see his hand moving throughout the world and in the lives of others and give him honor and glory. Two brothers, come here. Come here, Levi. 
let's say all of a sudden we're out working or something and Levi goes down. And I'll put you over here so you can go down on this here. <laughs> I come over and I check him. He's not breathing. His heart's not beating. Now I take, uh, because being a bus driver, I, I have to take every year mandatory, or every two years mandatory CPR, but I used to work on the ambulance, so I know CPR. They've changed it up a little bit. And so I come over and I, I check him and I begin to, to, to do the, the compressions. I do the CPR on him. Sorry, it's going to be mouth to mouth, buddy. <laughs> Just two breaths, all right? I'm not going to do it today. You feel better? All right, okay. He's about ready to have a heart attack right now. <clears throat> and here's, and here's, here's his brother. Here's Blake standing over here watching Grandpa work on, on, on him. And all of a sudden, he, he revives. And we get him back up. And he's doing okay. And, and he's all right. Now, Blake's going to think, oh, I'm glad... I'm glad Grandpa had that type of training and everything and knew what to do. And, well, that's cool. That's neat. That's good. And my brother's still alive. He owes me some money. That's, that's good. And uh, so anyway, so it, it makes an impression on him a little bit. And he thinks, that's good. You know, that's great. And then a couple years later, same thing happens to Blake. I'm definitely not going to do mouth to mouth on you, buddy. <laughs> And I'm doing CPR on him and everything, and, and I, I, able to revive him, and, and he lives through that. Can I tell you something What's going to be different now? He's going to have a completely different outlook on Grandpa saving his life than he did when Grandpa saved his life. You know why? Because it's personal. Jesus Christ is personal. But with that, he wants you to understand his great love, his great power, his great mercy, his great salvation for everybody. Thank you, fellas. He desires for us to understand that it's more than just something that has to happen personal. But we should see that in the lives of others. He's a, he's a holy God, a righteous God, a merciful God. The manner of love is of all mankind that he might have eternal life through his death, burial, and resurrection. All mankind. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. Somebody walks that aisle and gets saved. Everybody ought to rejoice in God because another soul has been plucked from the, the pits of hell this morning. Amen. And might I tell you this morning... While I'm there, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, that's exactly where you're headed to a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He loves you, and He died on the cross for you so that you can have eternal life, don't reject Him, don't push Him away, but receive Him as your Savior. He cares about you personally, and where you'll spend eternity forever and ever personally. This man or man is... That of mercy, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Willing to forgive you and me of our sins when we fail him and, and sin against him if we'll repent of him. This manner is, a man is that of righteousness as he will be our judge one day and we will all come before him and give an account of our lives before him. The Bible says that every knee shall bow. Every knee. It doesn't matter who you are. Every knee is going to bow before the Lord one day. And the Bible says that we shall give an account of our lives unto him. Whether, we, whether what we lived would be good or bad. And we will give an account unto him. 
even as a Christian. He's a God of judgment. That is his manner of life. One last thing. If you drop down to the next verse, which is in chapter 5, verse 1. Notice what happened. And they came over unto the other side of the sea. The country of the Gadarenes. One day, we're all moving to the other side. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's there to calm your, your storm. He's there to show His power and His might. He's there for you personally. He's there for all mankind. One day we will, we, will, we will cross over to the other side into eternity. Those unto life eternal in heaven and those unto a lake of fire forever and ever. We'll cross over one way or another. My question for you this morning is this. Seeing the manner of man that he is, that he is God, and what he's done. Where's your faith? What are you putting your faith and trust in this morning? Trust him with all your heart. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, 6, and 7. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. But fear the Lord and depart from evil. Oh, how he cares about you and me. He's personal. He's all power. He's all might. He's God. And my friend, he's coming back. Amen. Let's bow. Father, we thank you and we love you. We thank you that we serve a risen Savior, a personal Savior. An almighty God that's able to calm the storm in the rough seas of our life. That said you'd never leave us, you'd never forsake us. That you're always in that ship with us no matter what the waters are like. Lord, you care about what's going on in our lives today. There may be Christians here that are going through some very difficult times. And your words to them would be, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Let them find a place here this morning at this altar and draw near to you. That you might show your might and your power and strength and personal touch in their life. Lord, forgive us when we are fearful, unbelieving, and afraid, and have not the faith. But strengthen our faith in you to walk with you. And to share you with others. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know if they died today that they'd go to heaven. Lord, I pray that while everybody's heads bowed and every eyes closed here in a moment during the invitation. That they'll come and let's take a Bible and show them how they can go to heaven. How they can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Lord, draw each of us nearer to you. We'll give you the honor and the glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's all stand with our heads bowed, eyes closed, please. No one looking around.